Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hold on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Really, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. Step back for one minute and look at the big picture. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. The orphans bond a family that very few can understand. Help me! Help you. <laughs> I don't do drugs. Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co-host Iris and I am here with my older brother. Wesley. Today we're talking a movie from 1988, Action Jackson. So this one wasn't on your radar at all, I'm guessing. (laughs) Not for 36 years. I mean, there was probably a period in the late 80s where I watched this movie every day for a year, and then I haven't watched it since. Oh, so you do remember it. I do remember it, and when I watched it for this review, there were some moments, some inflections of dialogue that just were like a portal to the past for me. It was weird. Well, we had mentioned Carl Weathers in our Predator review not too long ago, and this was sort of Carl Weathers's Bill Paxton twister role, where he had played characters in many, many notable movies and sort of was regarded as having his shot now. He was on the set of Predator with Joel Silver, who we talked about for The Nice Guys. And so Joel Silver produced Predator and was talking to Carl Weathers about his love of black exploitation films. And Carl Weathers was like, I'm going to black exploit that and try to get a movie out of it. And Joel Silver was like, yeah, come up with something. Let me know. We'll do it. So Carl Weathers created, conceived of the action Jackson character and outlined it. This is meant to be his star vehicle. And you can see it's littered with friends and former co-workers. We have half the Predator cast here. I mean, Sharon Stone is in this film. I don't know if she was Sharon Stone. She wasn't. She was super fresh-faced here about uh, three or four years ahead of Basic Instinct, which was her major breakthrough as a star. I recognized uh, the Muffin Man. Who's the Muffin Man? Niffler, the Muffin Man. <laughs> Niffler, the Muffler Man. <laughs> who makes the yuppiest bad bad guy ever. And uh, it, it's sort of a refined, upper-class white dude and then the gritty on-the-streets action Jackson, and the racial tension is kind of there, right? Craig T. Nelson looks down on him and is like, you all know you are, look the same, and all that stuff. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. So pretty awkward. But I guess in that black exploitation, which is always a weird word to me, kind of vain, it fits, I suppose. So who were the Predator reunion cast? Well, Mac was there. You nearly tore that boy's arm off. 
Uh-huh. He's got such a great face, and he's got such a great, lovable, mean demeanor in this movie. <laughs> and I'm not saying that they're super high profile in this movie. I'm saying that this movie tied into my childhood very closely for reasons I'll explain, but I didn't make these weird crossover associations. This movie exists in a weird alternate dimension, non-crossover, strange bubble for me. Then we had Mr. Quick up in the room when uh, Vanity goes and gets her fix. That was Sonny Landon. That was Billy from Predator. Oh, yeah. He stabs him in the shoulder and then Action Jackson throws him through the window into another window. <laughs> He's another one of the characters that gets defenestrated in this movie. Mental note, look up defenestrated. Well, the barber, if that's what you can call her, uh, reminded me of that wonderful vocab gem. But what does it mean? It means to be thrown out of a window. Really? Yeah. Man, that's going to have to go on the poster quote. <laughs> you know what alternate universe this clashes with, too? What's that? Back to the Future. That's what I'm saying. So obviously everyone knows Tom F. Wilson, who plays Biff. I know him so keenly from Back to the Future, and I forgot until re-watching that it was him. And he plays such a prominent talky role that I was like, what's happening in my brain? <laughs> it's like you're on set in the 80s making Predator or whatever. And then you're like, what if we made a movie like this with all these prominent 80s stars? <laughs> bloop, 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 bloop. And like you dream up Action Jackson and it exists solely in your mind. I feel like this movie exists in my mind. But not only Biff, dude, but Richard L. Duran. Who's Richard L. Duran? Richard L. Duran plays the pool room thug number three in Action Jackson, but was also the AK-wielding top-of-the-VW-bus-riding right. dude from Back to the Future. He was the, it's hot dog time. <laughs> and, in, and in Back to the Future, he goes, Aah! Do you know what sound I'm talking when he's shaking the gun and he's saying, go, go. When the gun jam going. <laughs> That's exactly. Go. That is the noise. <laughs> that is exactly the, the noise I was trying to make. <laughs> Good call, though. You know, he, he looked vaguely familiar for me, but only because of Action Jackson. Speaks to the power of Robert J. Norton's acting ability. What was his name? Richard L. Duran. But yeah, because you've got the Tony Moretti character, I guess his name is, was, you know, is obviously like his his image is seared into my mind from having watched Goonies over and over again, which we have to review. Robert Davi? Yeah. Yep. All the pieces are in place, it seems, right? Yeah, but... Are you suggesting that all the pieces are in place, but this movie somehow doesn't work? I don't know, man. I thought it was review proof, and I'm finding that was not the case upon this reviewing. This is the way I came to Action Jackson and why it stands out in my mind. Mom and Dad have always been fond of swap meets, and the elevated beach city's form of those swap meets are those weird, like, street fairs. You remember those? Yeah. Remember that magic wand you got? The wooden stick, the wooden dowel with the crystal ball on top? 
Yeah. Yeah, I stole that from one of those, I think it was Redondo Beach street fairs that happened in the late 80s. And I honed my thievery skills where I like turned a certain way and slipped it into my jeans or slipped it up my shirt and under my arm or something. So I'm wandering around one of those marketplaces and I came across a VHS dealer. And even then, in the late 80s, movies were definitely my thing. Had no clue, but when he turned away, I snatched a VHS and it turned out to be Action Jackson. Didn't even know what it was. I wondered how that made it into our collection because mom and dad were pretty selective about what they actually purchased. We had a big collection of movies we ripped off the TV. (laughs) Right. So it's not like parental controls. No. It's what mom and dad were willing to pay for because we watched anything and everything. Everything. And we and our purchase collection consisted of like Batman, the Michael Keaton Batman and Cinderella and like... Night of the Living Dead or something, but I think everything else pretty much was ripped. So Action Jackson ended up in our collection, and I watched that movie continuously. And in a way, because I did not have access to the high-profile movies like Predator or Terminator 2 a little bit later on, or even Back to the Future, I walked my like eight-year-old butt to the movie theater like eight times, six times, to see Back to the Future. So I think that stands against your Titanic as all the more monumental because I was like eight, and I had to walk like a mile to the movie theater in Hawthorne. By yourself? Yeah, or whoever would go with me. Where were mom and dad? I have no idea. Where were mom and dad when I was stealing and watching Action Jackson? So I watched that movie repeatedly. It was my very first continual access to boobies, and uh, which I'm sure Joel Silver was happy about. It formed a lot of my opinions about early 80s movies, and it came to typify what I thought those were supposed to be. Well, doesn't it? Doesn't it objectively typify what an 80s action movie is? I think it objectifies a lot of things about 80s action movies. And like I said, a lot of things <laughs> feel like it's in place. He's the larger than life legendary, doesn't even carry a gun cop whose legend precedes him. And he's super buff and muscly. Super and he buff. has the one-liners and the comic relief recurring character that he would inevitably team up with on some level, right? The kid that gets arrested. Oh, right. Yeah. The, the purse snatcher. Yeah. And Who they really racially profile, by the way. Because they're following him down the street? That's Biff for you. Who said Biff would make a good cop? (laughs) He might as well just wear a shirt that says, I steal things. (laughs) What? He was lurking along the avenue or whatever. I don't know. My point is, everything was in place. It feels very much like a late 80s action movie of quality, including the, uh, the yuppie scum super villain. And then when I watched it again, I was like, man, this is not... It is exactly what I remembered it. It just didn't come together in the same way. It was like in the 80s in Hawthorne, if someone had asked me what my favorite food was uh, running around as a kid on rooftops and stuff, we all would have said without hesitation, bologna and cheese. And now you eat bologna and cheese and you're filled with nostalgia and you're like, this is not quite as fulfilling as I remember it because I've eaten many, many more sandwiches and I've seen many more movies than Action Jackson. Yeah, it's like in quarantine when I was searching for comfort food and I... um. I got some uh, Chef Boyardee beef ravioli and a pizza Hot Pocket, and I had both and was like, these are terrible. (laughs) Action Jackson, the pepperoni Hot Pocket of 80s exploitation movies. So I I got the sense that this was a throwback to 
black exploitation films, but through the lens, the literally the lens of a white dude, of Joel Silver, who maybe doesn't exactly know what that means. But then again, I'm not exactly sure I know what that means. I just saw that term bandied about, and I never regarded it as such because I didn't have context. I don't think that Action Jackson was making any kind of social commentary in the 80s, and maybe we can kind of project that onto it now, looking back to it as a cultural relic. But it's really clear that from the poster art, at least, that this was a black James Bond. I mean, he's in a tux, he's got his handgun, he's got the sexy lady all up on. And I think that even if that's not what Carl Weathers was maybe going for, it seems like it's what the producers were going for. I agree. And that's even what Bill Duke said almost to the letter. He said more specifically that Carl Weathers was intended to be, you know, his culture's James Bond character. They made sure to show him in a tuxedo before he went to his standard jeans and red shirt running around action wear. But he was a lawyer. Harvard Law. And enterprising, he wasn't Arnold out in the jungle fighting aliens or whatever. He just had all the Arnie one-liners. And for some reason, everyone wants to torture Arnie instead of just killing him. And in this movie, everyone wants to just torture Carl Weathers instead of killing him. Barbecue, eh? And you have to give him time to escape. And you have to give him an opportunity to be shirtless and and oiled up. Exactly. (laughs) I don't know how much experience he had with that torch they were going to use to barbecue him to know that that flame would project all the way across the room to light that dude up with a gasoline can. They were planning to frame him for everyone's deaths. So, like, were they just going to barbecue him, like, just a little bit? Yeah, for that nice grilled look. I don't know. (laughs) It was fairly complicated, right, the plot? To my 10-year-old brain or whatever, crazy convoluted this plot. It was convoluted in the sense that they force movement from action set piece to action set piece. They are tenuously stitching together these action set pieces. Yeah, we've talked about that before, like in the scope of Mission Impossible. It has the feel of a real backstory because in some ways it's a world we don't understand and so it's inaccessible to us. But for the purposes of action to action sequences, we get distracted along the way. So would you consider yourself an expert on Action Jackson? Like, could I lean on you like I did with Predator? Because I want you to do some translation work for me. Okay, it's going to be tough. Because you remember in that scene when he uh, when he was like, I don't understand what you're saying. This is exactly what I'm talking about. We can go over it now because I remember a lot of it. But at the time, I had zero. I literally was like, I don't understand what he's saying. (laughs) I don't understand what he's saying either. All right. So in plain speak, you're a big John. I get the sense that those dudes, at least that dude, was interested in him. Thought he was a big cutie. Okay. You're a big cutie. You think I'm a Geechee or something, don't you? Get you? Get at you? The caption said Geechee. Geechee. You think I'm a Geechee or something, don't you? I I think we can make an inference. That Geechee means? Get at you, maybe. Okay. Don't Bogart me Lightfoot. (laughs) No clue. (laughs) But I know know these lines. I I know what you're going to say. I just don't know what they mean. All right. What's the next line? Ain't nothing we like better than to take a Tom slick like you and have a little blanket party. Oh, my God. Do you have that written down or you literally remember that? I remember it. It has no association in my mind at all. What does it mean? 
I don't know. See, you be a Charlie Irvine. Oh, my God. And we go tap dance on your lips. No clue. Who's Charlie Irvine? I'm guessing he was a dancer. I don't know. <laughs> and the last line? <laughs> and then we're going to deprive you of your friggin' frack. Now, that part I got. <laughs> oh, my God. No clue. And he's like, I don't understand a word of it. And I'm like, me neither. Wow. But they were funny, colorful bad guys as all of these 80s movies were. And there was a lot of jargon from some of my favorite movies. I had no clue what Indiana Jones was talking about some of the time. Didn't care. Fine, fine. You don't. You didn't understand it in 1988. But when you watch it now, you understand it. When I watched that scene, which I watched a couple of times to see if I could actually <laughs> process it, I was like, I have no idea what he's talking about. As a fully formed adult with world experience, what is he saying? Exactly. I had no clue what she was doing. He's a bad, Mr. Quick is a bad man in a hotel room who's sticking vanity with a needle. And you don't do that. That's mean. I had no idea why she was in that dude's room. I just knew he was a bad guy and deserved to be thrown from window to window. So she sidled up to him and was like, I'm going to be your woman. You just give me a hit. I don't know. I didn't know what a hit was. I didn't know what a junkie was. I was probably too young to watch this movie because the casualness with which vanity pulls out her boobs in the nightclub was shocking to me and i probably wore that part of the tape thin it was so casual and it was so obviously meant for adults on one level or another that i didn't understand much of this movie and that's my point coming to it now at, you know as a full-blown adult i understand it but that doesn't mean it comes together in the way that i expected it to as a fully fleshed out solid 80s action movie it kind of fell short for me Really, because it feels really true to its historical context and really true to its name. That scene with the bad guys wasn't good. His escape, Vanity popping in and saying, you know, he was more oral than Oral Roberts, which I also didn't understand. And him feigning religious insanity when he, he had no, pre he wasn't preachy when he walked in looking for Papa Doc. Who was Papa Doc? I don't know. But he was sent in there to, to go get him. And his, I didn't understand why his balls were in a jar. But that escape was completely implausible. Like it had all the pieces, but none of it was really justified. It was cool. And the action scenes were good. Craig T. Nelson, I never watched Coach, but he was Neffler the Muffler Man. And him being a bad guy was super unlikely. But I was all into butterfly knives. And that dude had the butterfly knife. And I repeated those guy with no arms and legs jokes ad nauseum. Oh, yeah, those were a hit. The butterfly knife guy, he must have had like a cache of butterfly knives because every single time he sticks somebody, they go out a window or over a boat. And I loved those, and but they were hugely unbalanced. They were meant to look cool and to be stabby stabby, not to throw. No one's ever thrown butterfly knives. And that guy did it with laser precision every time. He really did. The the cadre of invisible swordsmen, or what were they called? The invisible men. Who left a sea of destruction in their wake. They were all pro and in their tack gear and whatever. They mostly popped up out of nowhere. But it was totally unnecessary in the um, cold open how they bust through the windows. Like, they couldn't. <laughs> it's not like any of these people were prepared for a war. Like, they could have walked into the front door and taken that woman and that dude with the least amount of uh, environmental casualty. Yeah, because they could have knocked on the on the door, right? And been like pizza or whatever. <laughs> Except they had to, three people had to crash through windows and then another one had to crash through this, the skylight. That's what I'm saying, man. 
The question is, is Action Jackson self-aware? Or does it really think that it's pulling something over on us? I don't think it's meant to play as a self-aware comedy. I mean, Sharon Stone had talked about this movie and how she's not overly fond of action movies, which is funny considering she did Total Recall around this time and lots of other movies like that. But this one is like cartoonish level violence. And she mentioned the punches and stuff, which is true. The punches were like, whoosh. Yeah. If anybody knows how close you need to be to land or throw a punch, it's Carl Weathers, who played Apollo for four films at that point. Well, I mean, at least he's got some credibility because Craig T. Nelson is not a convincing martial artist. He had obvious stunt doubles, but in a way, I think he was appropriately menacing. I was scared of him and didn't like him because of this role. So when um, Action Jackson is on top of the taxi and the taxi, instead of running into a car, somehow launches off of the car as if it were a ramp and then flies into a auto mechanic garage or something like that. Like the filmmakers can't expect us to take that seriously, right? They did that purely for spectacle because we were all in agreement that we would, as an audience, go, yeah. Au contraire, ma chère. Joel Silver can definitely do that. We want them to deliver the action, and they did. And so we're all in agreement. Except something didn't feel quite right. Why doesn't Action Jackson endure? Why have you not thought about this movie in 38 years or whatever? It's because critics like us haven't anointed it and brought it back to people's attention and canonized it. This movie did respectably at the box office. I don't think it was a runaway hit, but it disappeared because they couldn't follow it up it's strange it exists as kind of the action movie that time forgot i watched this movie a million times and then when i was browsing hbo i was like holy cow action jackson i have to watch this immediately and then i watched it and it was so closely tied to some of the other movies we talked about i was like you need to watch this and we need to review it but by the end i was like it's kind of disappointing like it doesn't hold up like i remember (laughs) and i wanted to talk about it because of the curiosity of that fact that's what i'm saying that I went in expecting and maybe even hoping for a campy 80s action movie. And based on that, Action Jackson kind of worked for me. But when I look at the meta score of 36 out of 100, or I look at the kind of general public star rating on IMDb, 5.5 out of 10, it kind of belies that this movie really isn't very well regarded. <laughs> it looks like it's been remembered as kind of a mediocre action movie, but it feels like it is what it's supposed to be. In my opinion, there's no cleaner delineation in cinema history for a movie that I was I regarded so highly as a child, watched and enjoyed so thoroughly that I watched now and thought, hmm, it's not just nostalgia that holds this movie up. It really falls apart under scrutiny. It's what I was expecting of The Last Unicorn, only to find that The Last Unicorn is strangely, creepily delightful in an adult context somehow that Action Jackson didn't seem to be. Like, it was satisfying because I remembered it and action movies are cool, but it caught it, it, was, it hung itself up too much on what it was really trying to present and being just sort of confusing and slightly off-putting in some ways. Like, I didn't love necessarily that the henchman with the glasses in the car that goes sailing into the auto body shop, that he was like, oh yeah, I'm totally fine with my boss uh, who pays my salary, assuming that I can pass for Action Jackson in the red shirt and blue jeans because we all look the same. 
you know, they're like, okay, so what are we going to do? We, we got the boobies and we got the cars flipping, but now we need, like, what's the finale? And like the Nice Guys, which had a great cast and seemed to have everything in place, for me, it wasn't enjoyable. And if I had gotten a hold of the VHS copy of the Nice Guys when it purported to be set, which was, what, in the early 90s or whatever, I would have thought, this is a great movie. Like, I love that movie because I did love love Action Jackson. But viewed in an adult context, I didn't so much. And it came down to the same auto-related, I guess, finale, which was equally as fantastic. I clearly remember that sports car. The Halley. The Halley. How amazing it would be to have Delaplane's mansion, to have a stairwell wide enough to drive said sports car up. And then you think of how utterly ridiculous that was. That car made it unscathed into the bedroom. So it could stand there as a set piece to their little karate fight. <laughs> yeah, for Action Jackson to be thrown up against it. Kicked against it. Until he decides he's not going to take it anymore. Right? He gets mad and he goes all Hulkster and decides <laughs> he's now going to fight. He's like energized by the fight. As much as they put into making that action-packed, it is pretty forgettable, that finale. Think of that fight as as a microcosm of this movie. He drives a car into the bedroom, I guess, because he needed to get up there as quickly as possible. Well, he also needed to get past Cartier. Okay, so he gets up there and then they use the car as a backdrop. It's not really used except to put Carl Weathers' head through the window. But then they do the elaborate fight where it's like, come on, you don't need that. Take me man to man. I'm surprised he didn't take his shirt off. So they throw the guns away and they have the 80s mono imano knockdown drag out and then grab their guns for the final showdown. Right. It just seemed like a little extra. This movie was a little extra. It's like if you took a Ritz cracker and piled it so high with stuff that it just it didn't like it's this is kind of a mess. Like it's not fun to eat. It's kind of a mess. And But no, but I mean, I got Ritz. Ritz is a quality cracker and I put all the good stuff on it. What's the matter with the cracker? It's like it's too much. It's a little bit too much for the cracker. Uh, I'm sad to hear you bash Action Jackson. Nobody's seen it. Nobody's going to listen to this review except out of morbid nostalgia curiosity. Nobody's going to be like, oh, you trashed my childhood. I would be surprised if this movie existed for anybody the same way it does for me. Well, I guess we'll find out. What's your rating? Look, not a bad action movie. In fact, I would be so bold as to say that Action Jackson belongs on a streaming service in the back channels. In one of those, did you know Netflix has secret codes? And if you enter in the secret code, it unlocks thousands of movies you didn't know were there. That's because they're not high profile and the algorithm isn't feeding them to you based on your taste. But Action Jackson feels like it should exist on every single streaming service as a staple, right? How is it that I didn't come upon it until now? Would people watch the hell out of it? Yeah. Does it stand up? Not really. Because everything is in place and it doesn't quite work for me in the same way it did, which I was also very sad about. We said on our 100th episode special, available now, that I am always kind of sad when you have to review a movie that you loved that doesn't quite pass the bar. And that's the case for Action Jackson, which I would give a whatever because no matter how many of the pieces are in place, if it doesn't come together in the right way, it's just it's not, it's not a good movie. It's a pretty bad movie that's dressed up to the nines to look like 
a good movie and specifically a kind of good movie. I think it's very much what Joel Silver wanted to do for the nice guys. He wanted to go back to an action Jackson era and adhere to all the tropes to make something satisfying and clever and throwbacky while also conforming to contemporary taste. Yeah, but nice guys for which our review is available now. Kind of hated it. And for which you gave a nope. Action Jackson does not get a nope, but it does get a whatever, because as much as it is meant to be perfectly in step with the time in which it was released, it's stuck in that time, and it just worked okay. And like Troop Beverly Hills, which is my Craig T. Nelson association, it belongs, I think, in the 80s, because it doesn't hold up, because it didn't push the genre forward in any way, because it didn't make Carl Weathers a star, because it didn't get a sequel, and almost no one remembers it. Action Jackson, a standout relic of late 80s action filmmaking, which I believe delivers on the promise of its premise, which was to go to 11 and to be fun. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of progressive in its depiction of a black action hero. This was a big movie with people of color in primary roles. Action Jackson for me works and I give it a good. So yeah. that's our review on Action Jackson available now on HBO Max. Um, did anybody else watch and love this movie like West did? 818-835-0473 or whatever movies at gmail.com. I'm saddened by your view, Wes, but I understand where you're coming from, but have to say that I disagree and that Action Jackson worked for me. Look, I love Carl Weathers. He's a big cutie, and I really wanted good things for him. He seems like the perfect person to be, I guess, if there was going to be a black superstar to do it. He is the perfectly sculpted body. He's intelligent and sharp and a good actor, I think, and after this movie, he kind of disappeared, stepped away, and tended cows for, like, decades, and then showed back up uh, much older and maybe a little wiser in The Mandalorian. So we still have Carl Weathers around. I didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought he was driven out for good. So I'm grateful that we have Action Jackson, but I wouldn't say it's his finest moment. To our Patreon patrons, thank you for your support. Thank you. We can't do it without you, and we hope that you enjoyed our review on Action Jackson. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Hass Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid. Electric acid.